Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to learn from their peers. In this episode, you'll hear different ways that community foundations are responding to COVID-19 across North America. This comes from a webinar that was recorded on April 1st, and in the webinar, attendees discuss topics like donor care through social distancing, how volunteer engagement has changed, and community partnerships. The first voice we are going to hear is Margaret Owen Spiak, who is a client success manager here at Foundant and moderated the discussion. All right, let's join the conversation. Okay, wow, looks like we have 93% community foundations. That's 99 of our participants. We also have a few private and family foundations, a, health family, um, a few health foundations, and one corporate and one other grant maker. Okay, great. So to get us started, uh, donor care through social distancing. Um, has anybody discovered strategies for connecting with people from afar? What are your do donors saying to you at this time? Are you asking different questions and what are they? And what do you guys view as your role in this relationships with your donor in times like these? So if you could please state your organization and name when you start speaking, that would be helpful for everyone. This is Kitty Friedman. I'm at Park City Community Foundation here in Utah. And we launched a community response fund um, at the Community Foundation to address the critical needs of our uh, community members. We're in a resort community um, where two of the scary is closed pretty immediately. And um, so we have uh, workforce needs along with um, our resident needs. So we, we launched a community response fund so that we could continue to make sure that our nonprofit partners who are serving those in need on the front line have resources available. And through that, that has um, not only has that been a tremendous success and, and really lovely response from our community who um, folks who have wanted to be helpful but can't volunteer anywhere or can't really you know, leave our homes to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition, that's also allowed us really to talk about impact on the ground right now. And so that's been really helpful. So um, we've been doing that through social media platforms. We've also been doing that through um, individual donor outreach. And then on Thursday, we're hosting our first donor webinar where we just put out a, a call to a, you know, broad segment of our donors, uh, we put out an invitation to a broad segment of our donors to join us in a webinar and, and hear an update, but also ask questions that they're thinking about at this time. So that's what, that's what we're doing here on the ground, and it's proved to be um, really exceptional. We're also having donors in our case then step up with matches so that we're able to kind of continue to broadcast some of our, um, the need. And, um, mm -hmm. and the biggest question, uh, the question to, to your third point that you're asking, questions that folks are asking um, mm -hmm. or we're hearing from donors, we just, I think timing is, um, is the issue, not timing of donations, but just really uh, uh, for all of us, the uncertainty of the length of time in which we might be operating in, under these circumstances. Yeah. Um, Kitty, I love that idea of a donor webinar as far as bringing people together to ask you guys questions or gain any clarity on what you guys are doing within the community and how they can help. Uh, it's a great way to get people connected around your organization's name. Thank you so much for, for sharing that idea. Um, looks like we have some more hands. Hi, this, uh, I'm calling from the Quad Cities Community Foundation. 
we're working from home um, just like everyone else. Um, some of the things that we are doing to engage our donors while also uh, engaging the public in this time of crisis, um, we launched our disaster fund um, on March 18th. Um, in six days, we raised about half a million dollars for that fund. We've opened up our granting. Um, we are taking grant applications for, dollar, for uh, dollars to the community through that fund. Um, we had about $2 million in initial grant requests. Um, we've got 300000 out the door, and we are partnering wow. with our community to um, really make that go faster, to make the donations go faster. What mm -hmm. we're finding as we're reaching out to our donors is that um, you know, we're calling for major gifts and we're, we're using our social media presence to make sure that, um, you know, everyone on the, on the ground has an opportunity to give. People are so eager to help because they feel so powerless and they, um, they really want a chance to be here for their fellows, fellow man, to be here for their neighbors. Um, <clears throat> We're finding just a tremendous amount of generosity. Mm -hmm. um, we have also contracted with ThankView, which is uh, an online um, service that you can use to request and send out videos. So mm. someone has a cell phone, they take a 30 second video, and then you can share that through email. Um, I'm throwing this out there for you all because we had a scholarship reception scheduled for May 3rd, which mm -hmm. I am afraid will not happen. We actually plan to host it at a senior center. Oh, so we're definitely not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a really great service. Thank you. Uh, they're waiving their setup fees and really mm -hmm. came down a lot on price. So something to look into. Wow. Um I love that idea as well as far as sending out, um, you know, just videos instead of necessarily written thank yous, which are lovely as well, but everybody's craving to see more people's faces these days. So um, I love that. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. Um, any other hands around this uh, area, things that people are doing to be creative um, in this in this time? I see in the chat uh, box people talking about reaching out to their legacy society first, as a lot of times those are going to be people who are elderly and living alone or at a high risk. Um, anybody doing anything else around this area? I'm with the DeKalb County Community Foundation in Northern Illinois. Um, mm -hmm. And this just got me thinking, we haven't done this, but mm -hmm. as far as the idea with the donor webinars, um, as far as like reaching back out to them regarding scholarships and recipients, could you do like a Zoom meeting with the donor and the recipient and you from the foundation as like a moderator, but get them to virtually meet? Has anybody done that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, has anybody engaged with this it's just food for thought if not no absolutely i think it's a great idea i think um you know uh specific scholarship donors would um really love that type of engagement but obviously it depends on the type of donor and how they want to engage with that recipient but i think it's a wonderful service for the recipient to to know and understand the person who who funded that scholarship for sure any other comments on scholarship strategies or funds around this as far as donor stewardship and engagement? 
Good morning. I am from Truman Heartland Community Foundation. We're in the Kansas City area. Um, and one of the other things that we have been working on um, in terms of donor relationships and stewarding their need to feel engaged with helping during this time is taking um, information from our nonprofit community about what kind of increased needs they're facing right now. And we created a new web uh, page on our website to post all of those. So we posted a form that nonprofits can fill out and submit to us about what kind of urgent needs they're facing right now. Um, so that our donor advice fund holders, our donor community has really current information about what needs there are in the nonprofit community and how they can help. That's a great idea as well um getting really targeted with that information okay um does anybody feel like donors are asking different questions um around either their philanthropy there's obviously ways to get engaged or things around kind of timing and what the future looks like but um is anybody fielding different questions from their donors or are you asking different questions of your donors looks like we have a hand as well so I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but I'm, I am wondering, I have the opposite. I'm, I have a couple of funds that are really engaged. I've sent emails out, several emails out. I've tried to talk to people directly and am not hearing from people. Mm -hmm. Just so I'm hearing from others, like randomly in the community who will show up, but I'm really um, I have a $5 million fund. We're very small. It's our largest fund. They don't want to do it. So I wonder how, if there any, is there anyone else out there that has that experience and how to tactfully, I mean, personally, I'm just appalled. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such urgent time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is anyone else facing that and how to, I'm going with who's responding right now because we just have to, but thinking of the future, like how to engage in conversations, like what's that about? Is that about fear? Is it about scarcity? I know it's mm -hmm. about So I'm just curious if anyone else is having that experience. Yeah. Leanne, what organization are you with? Oh, I'm with the Renting Regional Community Foundation just south of Seattle. Great. Wonderful. Um, it looks like we did have a hand raised. Hi, I'm from the Community Foundation of Southlake, which we're about 20 miles west of Orlando in Florida. And we did um, re-engage our disaster relief fund and um, we're trying to get some traction there. But along with the last guest that spoke, um, we're finding the same thing. We just really kicked everything off on Monday. So maybe I'm being a little bit um, nervous about timing. We've had two donations come in and <clears throat> when we've re-engaged this or when we've engaged this disaster relief fund before that now we seem to get really immediate responses from sending out an email throughout our whole system. So I am a little concerned, but I also realize that we're treading in new territories that we've never been in before. And I think a lot of people are just probably frightened, you know, watching the stock market every day and, uh -huh. you know, and all the things that go with that. And um, so we're just, again, we, we were lucky enough to be invited to um, put a grant in to, to a private foundation, which they granted us $25,000. And that was the turnaround time on that was like two days and we're a pretty uh -huh. small foundation. So that that's helpful. We're going to 
get that out by next week, uh, early mm-hmm. next week. Um, but again, we've already had so many requests for funding because we did kick off our cycle uh, early this year to, to take care of immediate needs. And again, it's so overwhelming when you have so many people asking and you just have so limited resources. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looks like we have some people who might want to weigh in on that as well. We're getting a few more hands. Hi, I'm Jennifer um, with the Peninsula Community Foundation. We're in Hampton, Virginia. And I had a question. Um, we were kind of debating on having a disaster relief fund as well and having people donate outside of our donor pool. Um, but we have a local United Way that has also made a fund. And I just wanted to see if anyone has had any issues, if you're if you think you may be competing with the United Way and, or if you've been able to successfully partner with them to kind of help the nonprofits in your community. Hmm. That's a great question. Um, we had a few hands that were uh, maybe, I think Sarah Judson may have raised her hand for that. Um, sure. Thank you. Yeah. Sarah Judson I'm with the community foundation of Southwest Louisiana mm-hmm. and We are indeed working in conjunction with our United Way. Um, We have found, um, and after our uh, most recent hurricane, which hit Houston and Southeast Texas, we are the uh, very close neighbor to Southeast Texas. Um, What we found is that when we had a relief fund at the Community Foundation and the United Way also had a relief fund that some people, either because they have a donor advised fund with us or in in that case, some other part of the country, they were in many cases more comfortable giving to another community foundation. And then some people, um, especially larger industry that had relationships with the United Way already, they gave there. And so in that instance, it really... Uh, it really was valuable that it brought more resources to our area because we each had a fund. So this time we certainly understand that it's really neighbors helping neighbors because the whole world is affected. Um, Mm -hmm. But we have partnered and we actually have some newspaper ads and social media with both of our logos saying, and our elected officials all supported this as well, that if you can help in any way, giving a donation to one of the relief funds is the way to go and that we will help get it out to be, you know, make the biggest impact in the region. So um, it's yet to be seen if this is an effective strategy, but that is indeed what we're using is, is saying these are the two organizations that are here to help. Mm-hmm. Let's jump on to, I think Jane Higgins also raised her hand in response to that This is Jane Higgins with Bluegrass Community Foundation in Lexington, Kentucky. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry. So I've had issues with my Zoom meeting this week, so I'm just checking. Um, So yes, the Bluegrass Community Foundation, the United Way actually, uh, when this first started several weeks ago, uh, reached out to us and uh, we partnered with the United Way, the Bluegrass, um, to have one fund and it is the uh, Bluegrass um, Emergency Response COVID-19 Fund. And so it is serving our region and our area. Um, and we have a joint committee of United Way and Bluegrass um, actually making the grants and getting the money out the door. Wonderful, thank you so much. 
Um, I like the partnering with one fund. I love the joint um, promotion and branding. I think those are all really great ideas. Chris Common with the Idaho Community Foundation. Uh, we too partnered with the United Way. First of all, we're a statewide community foundation. So we'd first partnered with the United Way of the Treasure Valley, which is located in Boise, Idaho area. But there are about eight or nine United Ways throughout the state of Idaho and very quickly realized we needed to rebrand and include all the United Ways throughout Idaho, which we did very quickly. Uh, so we are partnering and we're actually using their uh, grant application that they've used or that they had on file, which is a pretty basic grant application. And the fund, the charitable fund is actually being hosted with us at the community foundation. Uh, as far as an earlier question about trying to engage donors, um, we definitely are focusing on those. We, we certainly are not getting 100% responses, uh, but we are definitely focusing on those that do respond or have any kind of um, interest in it. And we are doubling down and focusing on the COVID-19 fund that we've created and strategically the donor advised funds those that have flexible grant making and some grant dollars available to distribute. We've actually unfound, we've uncovered some hidden gems through that process, some donor advice funds that have not granted in several years. And it's actually presenting a pretty good opportunity for us. That's wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Hi, I'm Judy Altenberg from Rose Community Foundation in Denver. Um, we, two things, one, we are also part of a United Way fund, but it's the governor's response fund that's actually being administered through Mile High United Way um, with several community foundations and others involved. Um, but I wanted to go back to the question about donors who may be a little slow to respond. I think yeah. one that we're finding um, is as we've spoken to some of our donors, some have really jumped on immediate, the need for immediate response, but others are feeling like we're in this for the long term. And so I think that you can't get discouraged if folks aren't reaching out right away. I think it's about conversations, the way that our foundation is thinking about it. This is kind of a three-step process, like it's immediate response, it's kind of you know, mitigation, kind of middle, what's this going to look like, you know, hopefully post-pandemic and then post-post-pandemic, like what does the economy look like? And the folks that I've spoken to kind of from the business world are looking at it. They've said to me several times, like, I want to sit this back a little bit. I, I get the immediate need, but I also feel like long-term, we have to kind of think about what our philanthropy is going to look like that way. So I think that it's just people have... We have to recognize that people, donors all have different places where they are in terms of in their minds and, and kind of the urgency. And so you shouldn't get discouraged about if they're not jumping on an immediate response, that it may be something that they're looking at as more of a long-term kind of fix. Judy, I love that perspective and kind of thinking about uh, donor fatigue that could happen with, um, and this is something we may discuss later in this um, conversation, but, you know, people's inbox are absolutely inundated right now with various immediate asks and understanding that people approach these types of issues from, from different perspectives. Some people have that longer term vision and want to make sure that, um, you know, we're still able to address the issues that will permeate for, you know, a couple of years even. Um, and I think that that's a really great perspective as far as continuing to build out messaging that can address these issues um, in six months, a year to two years. I think that that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. 
Um, okay, um, I'm going to move us on. Um, this can all kind of loop into one um, one another as far as topics because they definitely do. But looking at volunteer engagement, um, is anyone effectively leveraging volunteers right now? Um, you know. People are, in many cases, looking for ways to have a non-financial impact because uh, the financial future, the market, everything is so unclear right now. Um, so if you're engaging these people, how are you doing it? What have you found successful? Um, if you could please share around that. Hi, I'm Beth. I'm with the Community Foundation of the Virgin Islands, and we're based on the island of St. Thomas, um, which is one of three of the main islands. Um, we already had a partnership with an organization called Catch a Fire, and I would encourage everyone to check them out. It's just catchafire.org. Um, but basically, anyone who wants to volunteer their time with specific skills, maybe they have, you know, they're a CPA or they have um, design work that they can do, they can sign up to volunteer. And they can actually support um, nonprofits all over the globe instead of yeah. necessarily if that, you know, maybe there's none in that community that are signed up. Um, but basically, our foundation paid, you know, X amount for a specific number of other local nonprofits in the community to have access to this portal. Um, but we're sharing with our donors and the community in general that anyone can sign up to volunteer their time um, just to help other nonprofits that maybe can't afford it right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. Um, that was catchafire.org. Yes, and I just put it in the um, chat box as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Beth. And um, I think that that's um, figuring out ways to do that. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. This is Chris. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay. So through the United Way and uh, the Idaho Community Foundation, we have grant panelists that volunteer and help us with grant distributions and grant decisions on grant applications from nonprofits uh, throughout the state. What we've done is we have strategically reached out to those that might be in either um, have connections with medical fields or other nonprofits to be on this grant panel for the specific uh, grant making that's gonna come out of this fund throughout the month of April. Uh, we've gotten great response and that's one way we're using volunteers is using those that we've already had serve on grant panels for us as well as reaching out to some new ones thanks to either United Way or other organizations. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, pulling in on various industry expertise of your donors and constituents seems like a really smart idea. Any other ways in which people are leveraging volunteers? We are doing something similar. We actually, I'm um, calling from the Community Foundation of Northeast Iowa, and we cover 20 counties in our area. And um, a lot of what we've been doing is reaching out. We have committees in each of our counties as volunteers, and we've been reaching out to them and setting up emergency disaster funds, but also um, having them be the boots on the ground um, and letting us know where the needs are and just kind of helping get the word out to the local um, organizations and nonprofits and all the different communities to um, build awareness about the fund and then again find out where the needs are. Um, and then I'll also point out another organization here locally has reached out to um, 
basically request volunteers to sew masks because there yeah. is a shortage of masks needed um, at the local nonprofits, hospitals, et cetera. And so um, another organization, not us, um, has requested and actually sent out a sewing pattern <laughs> for making masks. Mm -hmm. So they're really, um, again, reaching out to the community at large, um, looking for volunteers to sew masks. That's great. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. Okay. Um, so communicating with donors about COVID-19, um, talk to me about your different communication strategies right now. Um, how are you raising awareness about the various needs in your community, um, whether it's promoting giving or different engagement during this time? I know that it's um, sometimes tricky to ask people for, for money in um, an environment like this, but um, continuing to approach that conversation for the people who can and want to. Um, how is your organization standing out from, you know, the 15 different COVID-19 messages that we all receive every day in our inbox. Um, and do you have an overall messaging strategy? Do you have a short term? Do you have a long term? Um, if people can weigh in on how they're approaching this um, through uh, basic communication channels, social media, um, the um, different Skype options or Zoom options, please share. Hi, this is Kitty again from Park City Community Foundation. So with our Community Response Fund, we've already made several grants. And one of the things that we've asked um, the grant recipients to do in our community is to make a quick short video for us that we've then been able to share back to donors or also um, put out on our um, various platforms. Um, and in addition to that, we're also just maintaining, like probably like many of you, uh, um, a dedicated page on our website where we are just listing, starting to try to really catch the cumulative impact. Um, and we've also had our executive director do uh, a video as well that we pushed out um, in a newsletter and on social media. And we're being thoughtful about our newsletter strategy. Um, some of, we're sticking to some of the regular scheduling and obviously amending some some other parts of it, especially to our nonprofit partners since we have a special, we have a separate sort of nonprofit um, nonprofit newsletter that goes to all of our local nonprofits in the area. So we've been amending that strategy quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any other hands? Hey everyone. Um, I'm Laurel. I'm with Triangle Community Foundation, which is based in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I'm not on our marketing team, but I'm happy to share some of the details of what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like a 20 person organization who've all quickly learned how to work remotely. And our marketing team has done a really great job of sending us a weekly update of what our major themes are for our communications with our constituents. So Monday is a kind of regroup day. And on Tuesdays, we have a communication that goes out to all of our constituents. So they hear from us once a week. And then the rest of the week is um, dedicated to any sort of personalized follow-up or, you know, say an email to professional advisors or an email to our funds, um, that kind of thing. Um, we've, we've done a couple other things too. Our social media is obviously a, a really strong way that we've been sharing um, nonprofit organizations, chances for folks to give or to get more involved. And generally we've been directing our donors to the rapid response efforts that already exist where we live. 
We have a United Way Rapid Response Fund and a handful of other ones. We're in a pretty urban area, so there's a lot of activity and a lot of different ways that people can get involved. And we decided we didn't want to duplicate efforts that were already happening. So we're seeing ourselves as more of a long-term recovery um, resource for the community and are just trying to help connect the dots between <clears throat> organizations and people who want to support them kind of in the inter interim. That's great, Laurel. I love the idea of communicating to your internal team the various themes that you're focusing on this week, doing the initial marketing outreach and then giving your team the time throughout the week to do interpersonal follow-up with their, their donors or volunteers. I think that's a really great way to go about it. Is anybody communicating with their donors about how COVID-19 is affecting your work as an organization? That's something that I've thought about being, being pretty real with how, you know, you guys are working from home and bootstrapping things together and being really nimble and pivoting. Um, I feel like donors appreciate understanding that a, we're all in this together and working to, to figure out the various responses. And so, um, for me as a donor, I'd love to hear how um, how the organizations that I work with are are making that happen and keeping a sense of humor and our mission and focus as we're going through this. Has anybody th thought about doing something like that? Hi, um, I guess I'll just talk about a few things. So mm -hmm. um, the first one you asked about how you're communicating with everyone, your constituents regarding what we're doing in response. I mean, we had, we went home two weeks ago now and started working from home and we communicated that out to the public right away, letting them know that we were working from home, but that it's still business as usual. We're still on and we're making it a point to answer emails as soon as possible, just to at least let them know that we've seen the email and then to have a response to them within 24 hours. Um, someone asked the part, we are also partnering with United Way here in town and we've are actually working really well together. We've kind of split the marketing efforts up um, the United Way. Like we're working together to put press releases together, but they're sending out the press release. It's coming from them. It's coming from one consistent person and the same thing with any donor messaging if emails come out it's coming from one group and everybody knows that we're partnering together instead of people getting communication from us and the united way they're just getting it from one source the other thing that we've that i've wanted to do just because as we all know our inbox our facebook pages are just completely overwhelmed and i think having so much more and adding so much more to it is just more overwhelming. So um, I'm trying to make sure that we're only posting once a day on social media to ensure that, you know, it's not overwhelming people and um, you're focusing on the main message first and foremost. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate that. Jessica, which organization were you from? Um, the Community Foundation of Central Wisconsin, which is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Yeah, thank you. Hey, y'all, this is Laurel. Um, can you hear me? Uh-huh. 
Okay, sorry. Never sure. Yeah, you're good. Um, <laughs> I hear you. So yeah, so uh, our primary themes for communications to our constituents this week included um, a handful of nuances that we've been paying attention to with the CARES Act, you know, how gifts to donor advised funds aren't included in the um, in the deduction incentive, but um, gifts to our branded philanthropy program are included. So new money that we would receive for um, our long-term recovery fund are included. So we're trying to kind of use that as a way to encourage giving both through like interfund transfers as well as to donors who might want to participate in something that's long-term that don't have a fund with us. Mm -hmm. I feel like that type of donor education is really important because, um, you know, people have the intent and the willingness to give, but it's up to us to kind of tell them the different, the different ways in which um, giving through different vehicles or different methods will um, most benefit what you guys are trying to do. So that's great. Really appreciate that. Um, okay, well, uh, community partnerships. Uh, we've already talked a lot about uh, United Way and how people are partnering with them, but has anybody else, um, does anybody else have any best practices for how they're supporting community partnerships, making sure you're not duplicating efforts? Um, who are you working with and how? Um, any other thoughts here as far as everybody's kind of scrambling to, to move in the same direction here and how are you guys facilitating uh, effective use of time and dollars in that way? This is Vibha Agrawal. Um, I do advancement for the Montgomery County Foundation. Uh, we're based outside of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, so we partnered, we launched a COVID-19 response fund as well. Mm -hmm. um, we partnered with... Um, uh, you know, several different local funders, including family foundations, corporate foundations. Um, so some of our fund founding partners were HealthSpark Foundation, uh, VNA Foundation, Amerisource Bergen Foundation, Gennady Family Foundation. And we actually collaborated with the county um, to set up this fund. And what that allowed us to do was, you know, as somebody mentioned, not duplicate efforts, but um, create a fund that could be um, countywide. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that was a really good effort for all of these funders to come together very quickly to, to mm -hmm. launch this rapid response fund. And then the other fund that's in our region that's doing you know, similar work is the Philadelphia Regional Fund, which is um, across greater Philadelphia and it's the uh, PHL COVID-19 fund. So you know, we've got a couple of regional funds rather than just you know, foundation funds. Yeah, so grouping all of that, that's great. Um, somebody else in the chat box said that they're also being mindful of their language to donors as so as not to compete with other nonprofit partners or anything like that. So, um, you know, the language around how you communicate or, uh, about this and something like a regional effort or a regional fund instead of just the foundation fund, that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you. So this just came up. Recently, we, a few days ago, we were approached by our local chamber about starting, about supporting small business, like small business relief funds instead of mm -hmm. nonprofit. I thought they meant loans. I was on the phone a lot with council and foundations. Anyway, so it turns out we want to do grants. And so we're looking into potentially if they open, if the chamber opens a fund with us, specific, a field of interest fund for okay. work, we could, we could um, help them with that. 
Awesome. Does anybody else have any other comments on working with chambers? Any, any aha moments in figuring out what that might look like? This is Beth again from the Community Foundation of the Virgin Islands. Um, we haven't necessarily worked with our local chamber yet. We actually have three, um, one for each island. Mm -hmm. But we have recently been in touch with our local VOAD um, group, which is the Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. Um, and they're a national organization, so I would imagine that they have local chapters throughout the country as well. Um, but we've only recently been in touch with them, but they've been quite helpful because they're trying to pull together kind of all of the local efforts and needs and have um, weekly or bi-weekly phone calls where they kind of go over everything that's happening, things that might be available, um, you know, offering resources to communicate um, to foundations that might need them. Um, and then just in terms of what we're doing, we have created a Google spreadsheet that we are sharing community-wide where folks can enter in um, any urgent needs that they have. And they mm -hmm. can also enter in any of the resources that they have available that community members or organizations might benefit from. Mm -hmm. um, we only created that about a week ago, so it hasn't had a whole lot of activity yet, but we hope to kind of push it out more and get some more um, mm -hmm. information put into there. Awesome, thank you, Beth. Okay, well, with that, I um, really appreciate you guys joining today. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Take care, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundin Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Foundin Technologies, Thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 